But the biggest revelation comes right at the end. Forger revealing he shot Tupac. That's what it is. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Champs. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year NASA announced they found signs of Martian life in a meteorite discovered 12 years earlier in Antarctica. However, it was later debunked, quote unquote, as a fake. Trying to find the connection besides the government just telling us recently that aliens exist and we were all just like for the Montgomery Ball. Um... <laughs> Maybe. Maybe in this episode, there is uh, some gaslighting from the government, several oh, gas God. government agencies. <laughs> and there's also like a, I guess the the, the apocalypse fork, fort is like a big meteorite, big rock. Okay, maybe. I, can, I can see that. I can see that. I'm sorry. I got confused with my government conspiracies. So. <laughs> <laughs> I should be specific. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Um, Because... We're going to be talking about Young Justice. Like, as you mentioned, there's so many different kind of things happening. So, so many things happen in our next batch of episodes of Young Justice Outsiders as we're covering not one, not two, but three. This is the uh, mid-season premiere. This was back when we had to deal with a whole spring of no Young Justice on DC Universe. Uh, we are now back with the episodes 14, which is called Influence, which I guess government does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got episode 15, also, which I guess the government does, Leverage. <laughs> um, this turned into a government conspiracy theory podcast, <laughs> y'all. Sorry. <laughs> and last but not least, we got Illusion of Control. I'm not going to make that joke again. No, no, no. Thanks, government. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Timing-wise, we are going to be in episodes numbers 3 through 22. And because of a lot of the stuff that comes out of it, especially coming from a different group of our team here that we're accustomed seeing, a uh, little pun name for today because these two characters pop up a lot, as I felt like it was appropriate to call this one the new kids on the rock. Ah, see, I knew the rock thing would come in handy eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, in terms of our cast list, uh, we have a pretty regular cast. Everybody that we have known and seen in the past do make an appearance, uh, such as Jaime Reyes. We have Kid Flash, formerly the um the character Impulse. For our main characters for today, at least for people who probably have some really big lines or at least funny enough lines that we gotta give them their shout outs. We got Eduardo Dorado Jr., who's being voiced once again by Freddie Rodriguez. Uh, we got Big Barda coming through. Uh, she is voiced by Greg Delisle Griffin or Greg Griffin. Uh, Troy Baker, who's already lending his voice to Hot Lava, a.k.a. Geoforce. 
Um, he is here today as Green Lantern Guy Gardner for our influence episode. And wrapping up the list, we have once again Zara Fazal adding another character to her name, her to her resume in our Young Justice series, as she is now voicing Wendy Jones, aka the person who wants to be called Windfall. I feel like her and Phil Lamar need to hang out and talk about all the characters they both have to <laughs> <laughs> voice in one show. It's just like go back and forth between the voices too. And just <laughs> <laughs> at any point. <laughs> all right. So now that our cast list is set, uh, let's zay the tube over to the beginning of Influence. So they drop us off on Thanagar, where we see Superman, Wonder Woman, Guy Gardner, the Hawk people are all hanging out. And they're dealing with a recent theft of nth metal. Basically, if you're not familiar, it's vibranium, essentially. It's just oh my God, yeah, it bird is. <laughs> vibranium. <laughs> and so the heroes are quickly to say that it's dark side, it's apocalyptic. But the general is skeptic because he's like, y'all been going around the universe the last few years, causing trouble, saying it was mind control, saying somebody else did it. And it's suspicious how y'all keep showing up right after all these incidents happen. So now we're seeing there's some distrust of the League, even across the universe. And they are not forgetting about what happened. And as they're gently kicked off the planet, Guy Gardner reveals that he found evidence, a trail that leads back to a possible culprit. And he does ask people to kiss the ring, but they're they're not really into that as we transition over to the younger team. Yes, we're greeted by um, our new set of kids here. We got Brion, Violet, Forger, Victor, and now Tara, who are seated at the beach at Mount Justice. They are being basically talked talk to by Dick, uh, Superboy, and Artemis. This is where they tell them they have a major choice to make. Um, and it's that Violet, Brion, and Forager have done great work these past couple of missions that they've been on. They really got a handle of their powers, and they feel like maybe it's time for them to work on the team, the covert ops team that the Justice League has put together, which consists of the team that they were a part of originally. Now, it's a great scene because what we do get is a moment where the three older heroes here are sharing what they've actually gone through and saying most, most importantly that this is a choice that they can make. They don't have to join the team just because they have superpowers or because they have these abilities or because they've been trained. They could easily walk away. They can um, they can be a part of the team through different means, just the same way that Troya and Garth are now ambassadors for the UN in some way, shape, or form, because they do share that there is loss that can happen on this team. Like, it's not just saving people and living life and being cool. There's some loss that can happen as both Artemis and Dick bring up the fact that they did lose Wally because he re-entered the light. I was going to say it's a really beautiful, emotional scene as they... They're really like, look, if you can do anything else, please get out of this life. This life is not it. If you're mm -hmm. not ready, if you're not prepared to sacrifice everything. So it's a really emotional time where they're really thinking, like, think this through for like two minutes because yeah. 
This is really going to change your life if you choose to step into this. So it really is a great, great scene and a great reminder of what these young heroes have given up to this point. And I do love the fact that at the end of this scene, uh, Violet does ask, do they need to make the decision by today? And even though they are telling them that you can wait, you can make this decision, it does click for Nightwing here where he remembers he makes a comment from back when they were kids and made this decision and states, yes, today is the day. And there's this one brief smile on his face. And it's like really nice to see how this is truly coming full circle for them. Um, also coming full circle is the entire plot point of this entire season so far, because at this moment, Victor's phone goes off and he gets a video of Aquaman shout out to Calder, who is now Aquaman, who is speaking from Tal as sharing that granny Go or Gretchen goodness is um, a part of this metahuman trafficking ring that's been happening throughout the entire world and galaxy. And they know that it's because of the good goggles. So back in our previous episode of Nightmare Monkeys, they reveal everything to the public and how this is just really just a way for them to, um, for the good goggles and the rest of that company to try and steal as many metahumans as they can. This turns into a full on news cycle as they also share that everyone that they have saved have been brought over to the Tau Metahuman Youth Center, which is being funded by previously by Good World Studios and now also by Lex Luthor, which is a nice little segue because at that moment, Lex Luthor in a pre-recorded message shares his sentiments about the accusation from the United Nations. Yes, and this is kind of like... <laughs> This inception sequence of a TV inside of a TV inside of a TV. <laughs> yeah. They keep switching between shows. But Lex basically, as you would expect, calls the league out, says that they should have cooperated with him. If they had, things would have gone better for everyone. And G. Gordon, when he gets his turn on the TV, actually supports Lex and mentions also brings up the fact that the bat signal has been temporarily taken down because of all the controversy about what team is covert who's on the justice mm -hmm. league who's not and we also have granny goodness coming on now confronted with all the truths about the goggles coming out and she immediately shifts the blame to marlo who was killed by tara markov much earlier so now we're seeing that through the media that People are spinning, using their agendas, trying to stay ahead of everything the accusations lobbied at them. Good thing that doesn't happen in real life. But in any case, we have back away from the TV. Guy is singing a very annoying song and, <laughs> and the other heroes have to deal with it. Yes. Yeah, so unlike uh, Nightwing, uh, I will say that Guard Garden does not have an ass that deserves to be sung about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as they are flying out into space, this team that is here of Superman, Wonder Woman, and our Hawk people, mm -hmm. they're coming up close to a ship that's there. And um, great little moment where Superman yells out, great Scott, to bring us back to our like old school Superman days. <laughs> um, he, They do share that this ship that's out there is way bigger than the war world so they decide there is some way they have to confront it meanwhile we do have to hop back over to um back on earth where garfield is watching the news 
He's watching Granny Genesis speak, and he's quite upset because now at this point he does know that Granny is involved um, with everything that has been going on. And at that moment, as he's like walking by, he sees this this woman on using her selfie stick to record. I guess she's vlogging her adventures through Los Angeles, and unfortunately, her purse gets snatched. Now, this isn't Batman's Gotham, but clearly, this is Garfield's Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but luckily, I mean, it's Beast Boy, and that's a regular human. So this fight is pretty easy. <laughs> Beast Boy is <laughs> able to get the purse back and does get a little social media buzz from it. And although Gretchen Good and Granny Goodness is ready to praise him, she he's not having any of it. He doesn't, he would, did not mess around with those Nightmare Monkeys the other episode so he makes it very clear that he is her enemy. Meanwhile, elsewhere on Earth, we cut forward and on my birthday, November 6th, we see four <laughs> members recruited. What a birthday present. Ooh. And in this sequence, we also get a really important moment. Um, and I think this is how showed how progressive Young Justice was at the time that Violet, upon being referred to with she her pronouns says that as a living machine whose soul was transferred to the body of a human female she doesn't really feel like she identifies in a specific gender category so this is kind of their way of saying that she came out as non-binary and Brion, everyone in the room is immediately like yeah of course whatever it's cool with us so really progressive at for the time to have a plot line like this and they do commit to it as well the writers but yeah that moment was really really nice and it really stood out as we get the team expanded even further yeah at that moment we do hear that tigress and superboy are officially rejoining the team brion unfortunately thinks it's because he need they think that he just needs somebody to watch over him uh, but Superboy shares, no, I actually just want to be with my fiance. It has been a minute since we have men defenses. Um, he's trying to do that in space. <laughs> so at that moment, though, we do see that we get one more person join in as Gar, um, Garfield Beast Boy, he enters into the watchtower and shares that he wants back on the team. He does share though that because of his um because of his show. There might be just like a conflict of his timing and that Gresham Good may be in charge of his acting hours, but she doesn't have any control of his off hours, which she wants to dedicate to his superheroics. And obviously, Miss Martian welcomes back her brother once again. So they but she does warn him that due to the fact of not only his powers, but also his his fame, it might be a bit difficult for him to be on many stealth missions. So she's going to try to find a way to balance the two out. Meanwhile, uh, an alert comes up where Troya and Catherine Colbert, the um, liaison for the Justice League, are basically coming at Lex hard over his public accusations for being against the League and the reasons why. Yeah, they are, you know, they're hitting back. And they're saying, like, look, if you, we can't even build the Justice League headquarters again because there's so much red tape. So imagine if that happened every time something bad happened. Politics mm -hmm. hinder the League. And to kind of swerve away from this, Lex has 
through his sister Lena donate a big sum to Lex uh to metahuman trafficking centers. So they're they're you know they're again trying to be on the right side of history with this, despite them being a big part of it. And while they're dealing with politics on Earth, we see that the investigation in space was all a trap. Big Barda wanted the heroes to follow them. Granny is not a fan of this, however, and she immediately starts torturing Barda. Well, not torture as she defines it, just discipline, because she didn't permit for this plan to happen. And this leads to a massive space battle that at first it looks like the heroes have the advantage, but then the Furies arrive. Yeah, and I do want to point out something really cool that they did in uh, this episode when it came to that space battle. For every bit of destruction and noise that happens out in space, they actually cut the audio. Mm. I thought I at first I thought I accidentally hit the mute button, but then as we kept him going back and forth, it was like, oh, they intentionally added this scientific fact into this show. So again, you learn things while watching cartoons, y'all. And at this point, we also learned that with the Furies here, they are giving our members of the Justice League here a bit of a run for their money. As Barda decides to take on Superman, we see that Wonder Woman faces off against an individual whose name I can't remember right now, but I definitely know she is. She has been in many other productions where the Furies have been. And we also have Lashina, who is facing off against um, Hawkwoman, who, again, finally got the title Hawkwoman in the show. So shout out for that. We are This episode of Young Justice is like, we're, we're going to right all the wrongs that have happened in the past. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, they can't write this battle because in the <laughs> middle, Granny decides to try a new machine that basically is an instant wave of pain for the heroes and the Furies fighting. And Superman actually leads to charge and saving all the Furies. All the heroes try to save their respective opponents. And they he's able to distract granny long enough to turn off the machine but the heroes are boomed out of the base the base does leave so unfortunately the heroes can't get the victory this time against the furies but with beast boy and the heroes sufficiently pissed at granny they begin to think of how they're going to get back at this smiling villainess meanwhile we hop on back to happy harbor where um our new trio of heroes or duo of heroes plus victor stone um they're in the bio ship and brion is just frantically always checking his phone um because he kind of wants to know what's happening and this is when um victor shares that he just he's not part he doesn't want to be a superhero he doesn't want to be part of this team uh, he just wants to get back into his old body. And this causes him to leave the room because he's annoyed also at Brion constantly getting messages, which does cause Brion to kind of question, how does he know that it's always Violet texting him? And he's like, at first, there's a moment in which he deflects and says, I, I know because it's only her, because I know you, you two are worried about each other. But as he leaves, something causes him to take a step back because it does cause us to even ask how did victor know who was texting all the way in the back of the room uh meanwhile we see in star city that violet is indeed texting him uh brion sends a message to her saying that she misses him 
And this is where we get to see something building in a lot of the relationships that are happening with um, Helga and Jefferson. They're hanging out. They seem to be having a great time because they can even comment how um, Will at Artemis's home is now so much filled with love because at this moment, uh, Violet and Tara have decided to stay with them. Uh, Violet is helping out clean up Leanne's juice monster incidences while Tara is walking Bruce Lee. Um, unsure if it's named after the the karate the movie star, if it's named after <laughs> Bruce. I'm un, I'm unsure. But in that moment, we do see that Tara is still operating as a double agent as she is reusing her phone recorder to send messages to um Destro. As everyone's operating, planning, and scheming for the future, we move on to leverage, where we see one of the most brutal instruments of torture you can endure being made to do a take a single acting take a hundred times when it's perfect mm -hmm. i have experienced this where it's no different from take one to take 22 but you keep running it it hurts and beast boy <laughs> has to suffer so i feel for him take down granny this is unnecessary. Yeah, it is tough because as you, I, I've never experienced that, but I could just hear the frustration from you <laughs> enough to know that Beast Boy felt the same. Uh, of course, though, the director comes up and shares that, like, there isn't anything we can do. If Granny Gretchen Good wants us to continue doing these takes, you have to do it. And it's clear that she's doing it as a way because maybe she has found out that um, Beast Boy has joined up with the team and wants to delay him long enough from doing any kind of heroics. So and he also shares that if you try to do anything, if you try to get out of your contract, there's nothing you can do because by quitting, Gretchen will sue you for everything you have. And I don't know how much he has, but I would assume that he has built up a, uh, some kind of like fortune or at least like a wealth for himself, given the fact of everything that he's experienced. Um, meanwhile, we hop back over to Star City and this is when we see that Artemis is about to head out. She stops back because she kind of looks back on the life she has built for herself here with baby Leanne, who is showing us the definition, the other definition of seafood by, by showing us the good chewed up food that she currently has in her mouth and dropping it on the floor. Uh, meanwhile, Will is also trying to reprimand, but of course, being the father that he is, he decides to have fun with his kid. And this leads to Artemis having a bit of a smile. Um, and it seems like there is something building between the two of them, which we'll explore at a later, later time. But for now, she has to hop on over to the Watchtower, where Gar reveals that he had to do not one, not two, but 52 takes. What of a this random show. number. What a just <laughs> random. What does that number come out of anywhere? So after, although he's upset, he is ready to do a mission. And I do love this little banter where they say it's a recon only mission. And Beast Boy's like, it's never recon only. It always goes south. Yeah. And Aquaman mentions it better not because y'all going to Russia. So we're not allowed to be there. Anything could be there. Uh, they, but they suspect there is a metahuman base. And I love this exchange because Brion is ready to be like, let's take this down immediately, like on, on site. But Aquaman points out, this could be another bedlam. This could be another trafficking thing, or mm -hmm. it could be their version of a metahuman resource center. 
and they could be sheltering people. So we can't go in assuming, making assumptions of what it is. So I do love that little exchange. And speaking of resource centers, Eduardo Dorado teleports back into the plot. Now he is a youth <laughs> counselor. <laughs> finally, comes finally I can use something with his name. Um, he's a youth counselor for other metahumans, along with Dinah Lance, McGann, and Newt. They all help take care of these young metahumans who are coming into their own. And there's a nice exchange, too, here about, look, if you feel unsafe, you want to wear a metahuman collar to control your powers, that is something that you can do. But if not, don't have to worry about it. We want you to feel safe. We want you to be feel safe to go back into society and be among people. So as the new members are taking this in, we go on to the white suits for this stealth mission. Yes, and some cool white ones too. Uh, because we see that the bio ship has dropped off the team near this Russian base. Beast Boy, he flies in ahead while Geoforce and Tara kind of create this like it's like a tunnel. <laughs> I think it was a tunnel. They basically dug underground to get into Russia. Secret um, tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> yes, they use their earth. Oh God. <laughs> it's gonna be stuck in my head for the next three days. <laughs> Uh, the other cool thing, too, is that Halo uses her powers to kind of create, I guess, like bend light in front of them and hide them out in plain sight so they won't be seen. And this is where they get a chance to see the Rocket Red Brigade being established. Um, it is these individuals who are strapped into these legit mech suits. And it seems like they are just trying to build out a superhero team for themselves. This is what causes Tigris to say, all right, team, we're good. We can fall back because all they're trying to do really is just willingly join in to become heroes. Now, this does cause Geoforce to get a little upset. And this is mainly because it stems from um, Russia's previous occupation of Markovia back in the day. So he wants to shut it down. But it is a nice callback to what Aquaman told them. They are clearly here doing no harm. We can't stop them if they want to willingly become heroes. This leads them to try to get out the situation. But in that moment, they do see that there are other people who are present on the scene to check out what's happening. Yes. And I do like, uh, just want to mention... Are these like halo suits that the red brigade is getting put in? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, not, <laughs> not copyright infringement at all. Of course not. Of course not. Never. But uh, yeah, I think there's these are halo suits. So the heroes have pretty much finished. They've done what they needed to do. So they just go home, have a nice tea. And well, no, no, this is young justice. <laughs> so Black Manta. Monsieur it's Malak. Never just the recon mission. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never. Never. Yeah, the three of uh, Black Manta, Monsieur Mala, and Boomerang have shown up here and they are trying to destroy the facility. And this is where we're reminded that Tigris and Black Manta, they got some beef that they got to sort out that is cooking right now. So the heroes are trying to fight off these three pro villains. And the soldier, 
who need was supposed to take sleeping drugs to get into the suit says, nah, I'm good. Strap me up, shoot me up. And I'm like, all right, good luck with that, man. And we get a crazy fight scene. And I have to first and foremost, respect on Captain Boomerang's name. Hold it off Terra and Geoforce with some mm-hmm. boomerangs. Now I know why you're an elite criminal. it was like here this is he's throwing boomerangs they got the bend they have right angles so this is why he was the true enemy of the flash this is it (laughs) if any corners he's done he's finished (laughs) and speaking about the uh i guess the accuracy and the ferocity of captain boomerang here in a moment in which he has to go face to face against halo he does get the upper hand because he does suggest something and says it in a particular way that's enough to trigger one of Halo's memories when she was Gabrielle. This memory causes her to get distracted. And in that moment, Boomerang throws a boomerang (laughs) at her chest. (laughs) And again, it looks like she's about to die. Honestly, I feel like Halo takes way too many kill shots in this show at this point. Again, (laughs) it is graphic. You do see that um, blood already starts pouring, and also you do see that it's stuck into her chest. It causes Brion to get into a very aggravated state as he tries to get um, Boomerang out the way so that he can get to Halo and pull out the Boomerang so she can start her healing process. Yes, and this is also um, shortly after this scrap where the villains are realizing, okay, this is too much smoke, actually and are on their way out, it's revealed this is a Suicide Squad mission. This is not just random villains attacking random things. So it is a nice surprise because, honestly, you would just think it's a regular villain thing. But no, this is a Suicide Squad mission. And Amanda Waller, of course, was there in hopes that she's there on the comms, hoping that they would take out the facility. But they mentioned there is the covert covert ops unit of the justice league is operating and that immediately goes while it goes what covert i'm the only one with that i'm the only one with the ops what's going on around here (laughs) and um immediately after finding out that the ops are kids she says (laughs) wait i'll use our pg-13 allowance here she says fuck them kids kill them all (laughs) and get me the tech from that facility. <laughs> Honestly, if you didn't say I was going to. <laughs> yeah. That was that was all she wrote. <laughs> like, and while while we're reeling from this suicide squad reveal, we cut back to the center um where Eduardo is still trying to be that that warm counsel that everybody needs. Mhm. He is talking with um Wendy, who he was speaking with earlier, who was a kid who was just watching the entire introduction of the or the orientation of the youth center. So Eduardo is speaking with Wendy, a person that we were introduced to earlier in the episode. And he's she's also joined by Mist and Livewire, who we met back in our god awful episode Triptych. I, I probably god awful <laughs> too much, but we didn't like it. <laughs> um Livewire is obviously quite upset about having to be here because she's just like, I'm never going to have to wear a collar. And 
Eduardo once again shares that it's just for if you want to do so. You don't, we're not demanding you do it. Um, in fact, I have a friend who, who, even though his powers are gone now, if they ever came back, he said that he definitely wants the collar to be put onto him because it helps, it will make sure that he protects innocent people. And that person is new, another one of the counselors here. So at this point, um, Wendy asks him the question about like, what about his own powers? How does he feel about them? And in something that's like really nice to see, especially because we have been watching his journey a little bit, even though it's only been a couple of episodes of which we've seen him, Eduardo shares that he truly did hate his powers. He prayed for them to go away in the past, but now he's, he accepts them as part of himself. And this what this is what causes Wendy to say, I feel the exact same way because collars are for pets and I want to be able to be one with my powers. And speaking about being one with their powers or at least abilities here, uh, Tigress is trying to use her power of persuasion to make sure that the Rocket Red Brigade doesn't shoot them down because now they are fully armed looking for our heroes here because now that the villains have run away, it's only the heroes who are left to talk with these, um, to talk with these, this like Russian Justice League here. They try, she tries to convince that they're not a threat. Unfortunately, it doesn't go too well when a rocket launcher is fired from a distance, thanks to the courtesy of Black Manta and Monsieur Mala. Yes, uh, the Red Ribbon Army is pretty much ready to take them out, but. This actually does kind of diffuse tension a little bit because now it's clear that they do have a common enemy. And again, another really well thought out brawl breaks out where Beast Boy absolutely wrecks Captain Boomerang. He was like, they ain't going to be around three for you, man. <laughs> it's coming back for you. <laughs> Geoforce and Tara also are doing a lot of good work. Tara single-handedly taking out Mala and Black Manta is just taken out by the brigade. They just got a better suit. Sorry. <laughs> and while things are still tense, Beast Boy is actually recognized from his TV show as Torque. And right now they're trying to prevent an international incident because both sides want the villains. They want the villains back. And Artemis points out, hmm, so if you don't take us back, we're going to have to tell everybody you got a secret metahuman facility here, don't we? Mm, wouldn't it be better if we just skedaddled and nobody knew anything? And they're like, just get out. All right. Yes. Just <laughs> take your busty villains and get out. So <laughs> as they leave without causing another international incident, we go back to some typical training for the kids at the metahuman youth center. Yeah, at this point, Livewire and Mist, they are there. They're sharing that the training that they're going through is too basic because, again, they've been employed by the Shadows in the past, so they've been developing their abilities for a little while. And as they try to show this off, they even mention their code names, and this is when Wendy asks, wait, wait, do you mean your hero names? Because I want one too. I want to be called Windfall. This causes her to um, use her wind powers and it's at a point where it might be getting, it's getting a little too much for everybody else in the crowd. Uh, at that point, Wendy creates a cyclone that snaps up mist and Livewire, upset to see that her friend has been taken down, decides to fight back. Unfortunately, Wendy is quite upset about being attacked herself. So she starts 
using her powers at a state in which she can't control. And it starts sucking all the air out of the room. Um, everybody are everybody is trying to get is trying to get what little bit of air they have left to try and stop her. But the only one that succeeds is um Eduardo Dorado Jr., who is able to grab her foot and teleport her outside of the facility. And in that moment is when we see Wendy start getting into a state of panic because she realizes that she can't control her powers as best as she thought. And that was even worse. She might have to make the decision to put on the collar because she feels like a monster. And um, I, I do like that note and ends and it does get a good follow up. But back at Bell Rev prison, the villains are taken back by Aquaman and there's a great exchange between Aquaman and his father, Black Manta, where Black Manta says, seeing you in those Justice League Aquaman colors turns my stomach. And and Aquaman hits him with, thank God you can't see them from your cell. Huh, dad? Huh, pops? Ooh. Ooh. Get that six-year bid, end up like, or... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, Aquaman is also there to talk to Amanda Waller, who says, yep, I got a Task Force X, but don't you have a covert ops team that people don't want to know about? So once again, we have a situation where there's they have two sides have things over the other. So at this point, they decide we'll both mutually forget about this, which does frustrate Beast Boy, because again, it's another... It's going on to this covert stuff. You're not getting, things are not getting out. People are not finding out the truth because you have to be so covert. So as we turn away from this scene, we see that Wendy, or AKA Windfall, has agreed to get the collar on, now fearful of her powers and what they are capable of. And we also see Beast Boy is getting all the likes um, on a previous video of him saving the day from the purse snatcher, Helga's doing shady science somewhere, and we do, don't oh, know that what was it... in Dakota. Yeah, Dakota. Oh, yeah, that's the place for shady science. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we wrap up our episode where everybody is back home. Um, once again, we see that something is building between Artemis and Will as they enjoy some ice cream with Leanne. Um, also, Brion, Violet, and Tara are just chilling in the living room where Brion starts to notice that Violet does seem to be a bit distant. He wonders what's going on. And this is when she just tells him that everything's fine, that she's just a little tired. As he gets up along with Tara to help um, help out in the kitchen, this is where Violet reveals the memory that she had while she was facing off against Captain Boomerang. And it's that when Boomerang said the words, I have a proposition for you, it opened up her mind to the moment where a man offered Gabrielle money and Gabrielle took it. And that money led her to opening up the door to the Markovian Palace so that the speedster metahuman um, that had killed, that was, that started this whole thing, entered into the palace and killed the king and queen of Markovia. So now she knows that she was a part of the death of Brion and Tara's parents, leading to everything that's happened to them. And distraught from this memory, Violet confirms to herself that she can never tell them the truth. 
classic don't tell my boyfriend the truth uh mm-hmm. about something that really it's a it's a common trope and it will come back in illusion of control this third episode where starts off nice and cheery impulse is hard at work getting everything set up for a thanksgiving event mcgann is taking all the food out the fridge which I know she hasn't done Thanksgiving before because you know individual items come out at different hours so that the turkey can be done 18 hours late and y'all starving. So you can't Mm -hmm. take it all at once. It has to be spaced out. How big is your oven? And (laughs) I guess when you have a fiance with super, no, he doesn't have super heat vision. Never mind. I don't know what she's doing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe Spear can cook it fast. I don't know. Or the bio ship. But I don't know if I want to cook anything inside the bioship personally. But um, <laughs> we also see that, again, Artemis and Will, it's been teased. It's been teasing harder that the two of them are growing closer together by the day. But aside from Thanksgiving prep, there is a nice theme park day where Tracy, who is now dating Blue Beetle, presumably, is excited about Beast Boy and Perdita arriving to the amusement park. Yeah, she is very excited because, of course, we tend to forget this, that Beast Boy is a famous television star. Um, it seems like she has also forgotten this because I was like, how did you how did y'all not cross paths already being the fact that you're on the same team? Um, so she's thrilled to see this as they land uh, via, Beast Boy and Perdita land via helicopter. Um, and the whole plan is that they just want to keep today very chill. They didn't want to have any paparazzi. They just want to come in and help out however they can. Um, meanwhile, as this is happening, we see that Helga Jace is still hard at work looking at this. She apparently has grabbed like a strand of hair, assuming this is a violet strand of hair, is looking under a microscope, and she's kind of upset about what's happening. But that is a very quick scene because the carnival has started, as the everybody is like pairing off, Virgil, he's noticing that he's kind of on the outs on a lot of things, by which he is now the seventh wheel, the sixth or seventh wheel, as he states, um, because he's asking us like, hey, where's like this other person? Like, where's Cassie? And she exp- and Tracy explains that she's in Gotham City trying to patch up things with Tim, which causes Virgil to realize that he's probably one of the only ones in this group that's not in a relationship. And we get the comment, I really need a girlfriend. Yeah. Yes. And get used to that because that's going to be repeated about 16 times throughout this episode. <laughs> um, so we do see as they're trying to enjoy the amusement park, Victor is rather angsty about the holidays. Again, you know, he's separated from his father for the first time for holidays. So he doesn't really want to participate. And Forager is just dead set on winning Victor. He's like, you got to eat with your hive. You can't eat alone. And at the same time elsewhere, and speaking of people concerned about other people, Eduardo is upset about Windfall because she's wearing the collar. She looks absolutely miserable and even goes as far as to say something inside her died when she put on that collar. And... While he's mulling that over, Beast Boy is again expressing he's tired of this covert stuff. 
he wants to be out there in the media. He wants to set a good example, but they're not allowed to um, as young heroes. And right before they can go into that further, they discover <laughs> that this carnival got rated C by the health department because everybody's stomach is hurting. Yeah, and they're wondering if it's the cotton candy, which um, Kid Flash had eaten very quickly before bringing over. But they realize that it's actually the work of Count Vertigo, who appears, and with everybody being taken down due to this mass-induced nausea, uh, he's able to steal Queen Perdita and take off with her and his associate in a helicopter, causing the teens here to try once again, try to rally themselves to fight off against uh, this new threat that they have developed. Uh, this leads into Bart. He is running as fast as he can to catch up with the helicopter. In a really cool scene, we see that Eduardo has got full control of his powers as he's using it to take several leaps ahead as far as his eye can see to teleport here and there. And we even get a wonderful exchange between um, Blue Beetle and the Scarab. Back in the Thanksgiving holidays, again, we get another scene where Victor is upset and Forger is trying to encourage him to step out of his own way and really take the time to come in with family, uh, his found family. And back in Artemis's house, things are pretty going pretty light where um, Artemis's mom is just so happy for her daughter that she's recently making strides to be a professor and putting in work. And this is where Helga spills the beans and says that it's good to have Artemis back at Tigris, which immediately makes her mother upset. And they have this really dragged down fight where her mother is like motioning to a chair and it's like, this could happen. You know, you could get a serious injury if you continue in this life like I did. And she's even saying like, I, I thought you were done. I thought you were finally out of this hero life because that girl in there, Leanne, needs a mother. And even's like, go, get together with Will already. So her mother <laughs> is really airing her out right now because apparently this was a secret from her mother that she's back in the life. So as Artemis is left to contemplate that, we're back to the Vertigo versus everybody. <laughs> This is a match we have. <laughs> yeah, we end up in uh, Pueblo, kind of close by. This is where um, this boy in the team decides to run through the this city that's left behind here. They're looking for Vertigo and Perdita. Eduardo, he's appearing and disappearing, and he states that he's been lo looking around. He can't find any trace of them anywhere. Even um, Kid Flash jumps in and says, I have run through everything. And everything just looks the same around here. I can't find any trace of where they could have gone. This is when Blue Beetle shares that maybe it's a good idea if we get um an like a elevated view of what's going on. And as he starts flying up, he notices that the buildings and the walls continue to rise up with him. And this causes them to realize there there's some kind of illusion actually at work here that they are being sent around in circles trying to find this. And this is where even Kid Flash here is like, this makes sense why I haven't been able to find anything different because for some reason I am running around the same place. Um, 
but they're also confused because as static shares, how could Virgo do this as he doesn't have any kind of illusion powers? Beast Boy suggests that they use his sense of smell as he turns into a bear and he starts sniffing through the air and tells them, follow my, close your eyes and follow my roars. Um, and as they make their way over, they come face to face with the henchman that has been actually been in this year, this season for quite some time now. <laughs> yeah, he's so on that payroll. He has a kind of name. Yeah. Yeah, he's on that payroll. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, guess Hench will do this time. <laughs> and they're trying to get past Hench, but he is soloing this entire team. It just is almost unfair. It's like, are you playing on level nine smash right now and like all computers against you all items but it turns out the things aren't what they appear because when we cut back to perdita with vertigo she kicks vertigo right <laughs> right between the legs and that's when it's revealed that it's simon because apparently a nut shot is enough to break mental <laughs> conditioning but simon is revealed to be the real vertigo and it's revealed that the random hench is actually devastation. You know, Simon's long-term girlfriend. And upon seeing the girlfriend and Simon together, Static again goes, man, I really, really need a girlfriend. And I'll give him that one. That, one, that one's kind of funny. But <laughs> they stand around and it's like, wait a minute. What was all of this about? If they didn't really, if it wasn't Vertigo trying to kidnap Perdita and they realized this wasn't about getting Perdita, it was about getting everybody they left behind at the carnival. Mm -hmm. And this is where it's revealed that Team Onslaught that consists of Icicle Jr., the Terror Twins, they are currently right now using knockout gas to get every single person. Um, they're trying to put them in boxes. Fortunately for our kids here who are part of this whole con um this whole carnival. This is when the team gets back in a flash, uh, thanks to in part by Eduardo Dorado Jr. teleporting to where he needs to be. So he's able to take down Holocaust. With also Bart, he is able to super speed and push people out the way so that he can save another kid. And this is where fortunately for us, uh, we do see that fire and ice will never ever mix because as Icicle and Holocaust tend to try to just shoot over at things with their abilities they do create a bit of a crossfire causing each person to get knocked out um icicle melted but not like really melted like enough <laughs> that he just his skin turned back to like a regular color yeah that's you should see a doctor man i don't think that's pretty good for you um, <laughs> i also love to mention here that they show a scene where a boom tube opens up and kid flash runs fast enough Yo. to get out of the boom tube Mm -hmm. That is serious speed. That was one of the most impressive speed feats on this show. And honestly, I think ever. <laughs> I, yeah, mate. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I think it's crazy to escape that so fast. And finally, giving some respect to Static's name. He is the one who comes up with the idea to throw the father box in the boom tube because they didn't want to destroy it because it is a living computer, as we all know at this point. So mm -hmm. he throws the father box in the boom tube and all of them together collar the criminals literally and are able to save every kid. And this is where Beast Boy is thinking now might be the time 
to take a different approach to this covert operations. Over elsewhere, back at dinner, finally, some just everything is setting Violet off. She is on edge. And finally, she is she just leaves dinner completely with burdened by the secret. And that's when Helga, of all people, comes to try and comfort her. As they're having this conversation, it's mainly because it starts off given the fact that when um, Helga mentions something about a bribe, mostly about food, this is where Violet storms off. So as she goes to comfort um, Violet, this is what Violet reveals. So she's starting to have Gabrielle's memories resurface, and she remembers taking this bribe leading to the killings of the king and queen of Markovia. Um, and she feels so distraught because of what she did. And this is when Helga shares, you don't have to be distraught about this because that was Gabrielle that did that. You're Violet. You didn't do this at all. And it's enough for Violet to comfort herself and say, just ask for her not to tell Brion or Tara. And this is when Helga... Um, decides to just follow Violet's wishes. She leads her back into the house, but once everything seems to be settled, Helga mm-hmm. takes out her phone and makes a call. And on this call, we don't know who it is, but we do know that something shady is going down because when they start talking, she says, yes, it has been a long time, but now I need your assistance. This leads into our kind of Thanksgiving-themed wrap-up um, where I don't remember if any of us like Thanksgiving songs were playing. They also don't know if there are any Thanksgiving songs. But we do see that back in Happy Harbor with Megan, Connor, and Forger as they're eating with um, some other members of Snapper and Malcolm and Karen. This is when Victor en- enters. He's smiling. Forger smiles back at him. At the center now, uh, there's like a ton of press. They want to know exactly what went down. And obviously, Beast Boy is just like, I'm, once again, as we've seen through his journey through these last couple of episodes, I'm done with hiding things to be covert. It's time to bring everything to light. So it's him, Blue Beetle, and Kid Flash who are explaining to the crowd that they helped stop this situation that happened here, while Virgil, Tracy, Eduardo, and Perdita are off the sidelines thinking just a little worried, but also fortunate enough that somebody is talking about this. And I do want to mention here, um, there is a Thanksgiving song. I got greens, beans, tomatoes, tomatoes, <laughs> lamb, damn, Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> the greatest Thanksgiving song wrote, written by humanity. <laughs> but yes, with that and the revelations that there are a lot of people hiding secrets, We end on one last scene back at the amusement park where people are enjoying themselves and Static fumbles the bag on yet another girl. Yes. That's how we end the episode. Yeah. So now that we try to figure out how we can increase our boy Static's Riz, here's a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. (laughs) 
Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. All right. Um, so we just had three back-to-back episodes of Young Justice Outsiders. It was the mid-season premiere at the time of its premiere. What do you think? Which of these episodes do you believe gets our most whelmed episode today? Um, Illusion of Control was close for me. It was really <laughs> close. I I think going into it, I really liked, you know, that old... I, I know I sound like a, you know, a purist, but I'm like, it has that Young Justice feel. Um, mm-hmm. Kids on a mission. Things go a little bit south and they're dealing with. But I do think Illusion of Control tries to juggle a bit too much, particularly with the Victor side plot. It doesn't really advance Victor's journey that much as it as it thinks it does. It just kind of reconfirms, personally, in my opinion, it just personally reconfirmed where Victor was at as a person. And I don't think it did as much as it tried to say with it. And yeah, there was a lot going on. But I think the, the episode that had a good balance, ironically, was Leverage. I think Leverage simplifies things. It's mainly about this one mission and it also is setting up great stuff at the youth center. I think the journey of the collar and how Wendy gets collared by the end is really, um, really interesting and really dramatic and really sad. I really did like how they did the arc. I love this idea of we can't solve every problem. Not every problem is ours to solve and how everybody at the end kind of had to leave they couldn't stop Task Force X. They couldn't really stop the Rush, Red Russian Rocket Brigade. They Everybody had to leave it alone. So I think it was a good balance. It was just those two plots mainly. And everyone got enough time to shine, got some great action. And overall, if Black Manta is dropping a legendary quote, I'm here for it. Um, so <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What was your most whelmed? Yeah, I I was also kind of on the fence on a lot of these episodes too. Um, Illusion of Control, I liked for certain reasons. Uh, influence, I also love for that conversation piece that we did have between the, the entire team where um, Superboy, Nightwing, and Artemis led that. And it was a bit of a recap that was just like, even though this is a superhero show, there's a lot that goes on and especially a lot of loss that can happen. But I do have to give it to leverage because I agree with the same things. Like it helped to ground our series a little bit. Um, It didn't like, it didn't have, like you said, that, um, that like standard old school young justice feel, but it was enough where it was just like, it helped to bridge some of the gaps that was happening here, especially because we're having a lot of change that's happening in almost every single one of these episodes. Like when we last left off, it was, finally finding Tara, but then at the same time, finding out everything about Granny Goodness and what was happening with her. And then the following episode was just like even more 
with influence. It was even greater than that because now we find out what was happening with like Superman this entire time while he's been in space, which to be honest, I have forgotten about because Connor, <laughs> unfortunately, hasn't. I didn't even know that Wonder Woman was with him. <laughs> yeah. So I think that like with leverage, we're able to refocus a lot and see how these teams are actually working with each other once again. Uh, because it does feel at times, which I think this kind of like made confirmed it a bit in the past it, it did feel like because we got so much time with the team they are the more showy team but we forget they are supposed to be the covert team but they are involved in all these like showy aspects they are going in to stop the men human trafficking things are getting reported about it but they're not supposed to be reported about it unless it finally comes to light so seeing how the dynamics actually played out is much done i feel like done better here especially with aquaman kind of um i think that conversation between calder as aquaman and um amanda waller was amazing to have where the two of them share like i know what cards you have and, I, and you know what cards that i have it's only a matter right now of who's gonna fold and who's gonna play what mm. so i like that dynamic being established so i think leverage for me is my most whelmed episode plus I feel like, no offense to Simon, I love Simon as a character, but I feel like when your situations could be quickly ended by a quick kick to the nuts, yeah, was it really a good plan? <laughs> yeah, he has been significantly nerfed. Yeah, <laughs> over time, um, like I was like, okay, Black Lightning takes him out with a lightning bolt last episode, fair enough, but now it's like it's getting quite absurd how easily yeah. he's going down <laughs> yeah it just feels like onslaught is just now turning into like the comedy villains they're just muscles for hire legit actual most jacked muscles for hire that are easily <laughs> taken down by this team 24 7 uh but yeah okay leverage um you know i got but i will definitely say again these were some strong episodes they both had they all had their moments um but of course leverage just had its way of capturing capturing the heart of what I wanted to see at this point from the Young Justice series. And speaking about capturing the heart, um, I'm going to talk about our comic book section now, where we're just going to highlight one character in particular who may have captured our hearts because of the scenes that she was in, and that is Wendy Jones, a.k.a. Windfall. Whoa, no, I thought this would be about the Red Ribbon Brigade, the uh, I, <laughs> I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> you know, they were a close second. However, when you're only <laughs> featured in one episode, you get cut. <laughs> uh, but yes, we do have Wendy, who um, does kind of send us through a whirlwind of a journey in these like last two episodes. I tried. I tried. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> that was no pun intended. But <laughs> Um, we got the tra so I'm calling this section today the tragic life of Wendy Jones, aka Windfall. Um, so quick warning: the section does include some mentions of assault. So if you're listening, I encourage you to do what you need to do to take care of yourselves. Uh, whether it be speak to someone, uh, do some preferred form of self care routine, or honestly, you just skip the section entirely. We'll be back with more episodes of Young Justice. Um, but I do want to bring up the fact that with her character in particular, I am excited to see kind of like what's going to happen for her in this show versus what's happened to her in the past. 
Um, so we got Wendy Jones. She was first introduced in Batman and the Outsiders issue number nine by Mike Barr and Jim Apero, as we know as the creators of the Outsiders in general. So this comic came out in 1984, and she was first introduced as a kind of young kid. Um, she was forced, unfortunately, to be a part of the villainous group called the Masters of Disaster. Um, I gotta say, that's like some good PR naming right there. Um, maybe, maybe no, no. Uh, depending little... depending on how much they accomplish, that's a big name to live up to. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, so yeah, there were this team of individuals with elemental powers that included members such as Wendy Jones, who had the power for wind. We have Shakedown, who, according to the name, can move the earth. Cold Snap, Heat Stroke, and they were all led by Wendy's older sister, New Wave, who had the ability to manipulate water. Uh, their first mission was to actually take out Black Lightning when he was alongside with the Outsiders. And because they had come face-to-face -face with them, they will eventually become recurring villains against the Outsiders in future issues. During their like battle, as I mentioned, Wendy was a reluctant member of the team. She was forced by her older sister to join. Um, who gained guardianship after her sister had killed their parents when she had developed their water, when she had developed her water powers. And when Wendy was able to finally leave, she was actually had teamed up she, to with um, the outsiders. She had saved Halo really quickly in one in one story. But that moment caught felt that that moment made New Way feel like as if her sister betrayed her. So that moment she was like, if I see you, it's on site. You're not, you're going to get like jumped out of the gang here. Uh, so Wendy decided I'm just going to leave. And this is where she started to build a relationship with Halo. And she was good for a while. She even joined the Outsiders. Unfortunately, when the team disbanded, she fell in league with the uh, Strike Force Cobra is what the the name of the this new gang is. Of, of course, we know this connected to Cobra Gang and all that, not Absolutely. the GI Joe show. I was like, I get that hoodie, Strike Force Cobra. That sounds lit. <laughs> like I get it. <laughs> it's just it's like Eagle Fang for all Cobras. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was once realizing that again she was a part of evil she decided to get away and this is when she was able to join back up with this new version of the outsiders to help defeat them now fool me once shame on you fool me twice i gotta get out of this life for real wendy decides that she wants to lead a normal life and she goes to college and in an unfortunate moment um she goes out to a frat party where unfortunately she is drugged and sexually assaulted and pictures are taken and shared around and in that situation in the situation that is very too close to reality unfortunately um one of the fathers of the criminals that committed this act happens to be the da and he uses her past against her to, to just completely have the case dropped against his son um she, she can't fight back so she does the only thing that she can do from what she's learned in the past and decides that she wants to kill everybody, and she does so by taking the um, the wind and the breath away from everybody in the room. This lands her in jail. This lands her with joining, um, being recruited by Amanda Waller to join the Suicide Squad. Wow, wow, yeah. that is that for many reasons such a tragic story, and so horrible that she had to go through all of that. Um, yeah, that's a really, 
Oof. Yeah, that's yeah, a rough story. It's it's a lot. Um, especially because when you see it in comparison to what we had and what was introduced in our batch of episodes today, you can kind of see all those elements kind of building up a little bit. Um we fortunately do see that she does not have that connection quite yet with like the masses of disaster. And hopefully she never does end up joining the suicide squad because um, how her story ends, unfortunately is as, on the mission with the suicide squad. There was a moment in which some of the members decide to hold a coup and they unleashed this dangerous chemical weapon. And in an effort to save kind of calling back to what she did with Halo in an effort to save this team that she was a part of, she decides to create a windshield to protect everyone, to get them to escape. But the pressure was too big. So just when everybody else was able to get out, she takes on the full breath of this chemical gas, which ends up killing her and having that her last act was that of heroism in comics and suicide squad number seven. That was back in 2008. Mm. Since then, Wendy hasn't really been in any kind of story from DC. A lot of it is probably just because we had uh, New 52 kind of change up a lot of things. But because she really wasn't a character that was as big as we saw in the past, she didn't really get that much chance. However, we have been seeing that there has been a wave of trying to reintroduce her. More specifically, not only just in this show, but in another show. Um, Made for made from the CW that features another character who I mentioned earlier because what's her name? Uh, Wendy does appear in season two, episode two of Black Lightning, as she is Wendy Hernandez, who was held in captivity for 30 years back, um, during the events of the green light drug moment that was happening there. And all that may connect because um, we also get introduced to the Masters of Disaster for that show as well. And we don't know yet where Wendy is, but the great thing about it is that now that she is back into this show, there's um, a bit of an upward swing, hopefully, for her. Because from the other moments that we have seen of her introduction into either comics or into live action, the main thing that she is missing is a resource for help. And that's the youth center. And that's like people like Eduardo who are there by her side to speak with her, to talk with her about what she's been going through and even just showing that they actually care about her because that whole scene in which Eduardo mentions to Perdita that like he feels like he failed her and he can sense that something does feel like it has died within her. It causes him to be like, I want to do better by her. So I think Young Justice is creating a story for her as we can kind of see it now where this like there's some hope and some light at the end of the tunnel which you weren't seeing in the past for her story and um just as this quick shout out again to like youth centers they do good work they can't solve everything but they do way better work than just letting somebody go through life by themselves so i'm very excited to see what's going to happen to wendy in the future now that she's been a bit more inspired has these resources to her disposal and has people who care about her now. Yeah, I, I definitely, now that I can put together the pieces of the Black Lightning character, I'm glad they didn't use that whole origin story mm-hmm. because um, while it is important to talk about those issues, it is also mindful to how you incorporate them to a story. It should not just be used as a plot device, as trauma for your character, 
if you're going to talk about those issues, be sure to do so in a thoughtful and intelligent way. And don't just have people kill people. Um, right. You know, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of reasons that can happen in a superhero comic. So, you know, just think about what you're doing when you're making your stories and, you know, putting your characters through things because your audience may also have been through those things. So, you know, yep. tread with love and care when you're doing those serious topics. Yes. Be like Eduardo. Just put in some care. Mm-hmm. Connect. Um, and that wraps up her the story that I just wanted to talk about her, which I thought was important to share. Um, that also wraps up some of our stuff here for this set of episodes. We are fully through the prepare the anti part of our season of our season here for Young Justice. Um, so continue to check us out on our social medias, on Patreon, on wherever you may find us. And remember to take care of yourselves and that if you do need help, there are youth centers out there. And if you can help, be as compassionate as Eduardo is with individuals, because honestly, it works. It helps. You don't need superpowers to be a hero. And like Victor, there's nothing wrong with going inside and having a moment with your family during Thanksgiving even if they have chips, I mean, y'all don't have any like appetizers or Word. like. She was just pouring hey, bags of chips. Bags of chips. <laughs> Thanksgiving has gone wrong at Artemis's house. I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> the Crocs don't have a crock pot. Come on, let's go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Yet another DC animated podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.